Joanna, do you ever wish you could definitively prove that you had the right opinions about movies? Uh, yeah, Neil, because I do have the right opinions about movies and television. Right, Dave? No, because I'm more right about those things, and I demand trial by content. Oh boy, what is trial by content? Each week, we'll take on a huge question. Each of us will bring a choice, and combined with listener submissions and your votes, we will come to a decision. It's trial by content every Tuesday on Spotify, TheRinger.com, or wherever you're listening right now. Don't let Neil win. Don't let Dave win. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. I'm your host, Erica Ramirez. And for this week's special episode of What About Your Friends, we'll be talking about the many friendships of Yellow Jackets with The Ringer's very own podcaster and culture critic, Joe Robinson with the great hair. How are you feeling? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, do you think the key to friendship, like I got on this call with you and you immediately complimented my hair and what better way to like form bonds of friendship, like uh, at least between women. I don't know if a men, I would be interested to hear if men feel this way too, but like, if you're like, oh, your hair looks so nice. I'm like, oh, want to be my best friend right now? Thanks. So we are BFFs. No, but I really do love your hair. But Thank before you. we get into yellow jackets, I feel like we need a moment to breathe because it's been intense on Yellow Jackets. How are you feeling about this season? Yeah, it's been a really wild ride always with Yellow Jackets, right? I think this season has felt a little bit more chaotic than last season. And I think the main reason why is they're doing this thing with unreliable narrators, right? Where you are in someone's vision or you're in someone's dream or they're hallucinating something or something you've been watching for a little while winds up not being true at all or whatever the case may be. Uh, so much so that, you know, when we're we're podcasting regularly about Yellow Jackets over on the Prestige TV feed, every week at the top of the episode, we have like an unreliable narrator counter because it's just so many every mm. every week. And so I think that can just be a little disorienting when like you're constantly potentially watching this something that isn't real and then you have to like get your bearing and you're like, Oh, is that real? Or am I watching anything that's real or what's happening? So that's, that's like my main critique of this season. But, um, I am really loving this season. 
as we go deeper with characters, as we add new adult characters, all that sort of stuff, I really love. I'm a huge fan of what they're doing with Elijah Wood on this uh, season <laughs> of Yellow Jackets, personally. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm loving it, but I think I think I do feel like just a little bit um, disoriented, more unsettled, and, and maybe yeah, maybe that's intentional. But that's that's sort of what I'm thinking. What do you think? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Maybe that is intentional of kind of offering or giving this feeling of being disoriented because I agree. There's a lot of like flashbacks. Maybe this is happening. Maybe this isn't happening. I even felt that in season one, but it was mostly with Ty where she has this, her shrine underneath in her basement or like this little like area. I was just like, is that real? Is that not real? Um, I feel like, yeah, there's moments where I'm a little, a little confused, but it keeps me intrigued, which I guess is the point. Before we do dive deep into like the friendships, as these friendships and these characters evolve, you really see like a fuller picture of the trauma that this crash, (laughs) your eyes just got big, um, that it has on them currently. And I just am wondering, even like during this season, this entire time, I'm like, is it better or worse when they're together as far as healing from that trauma? There can be ways in which, like, certain groups of friends that you've been, like, had a long history with, how you can maybe, like, dwell on an issue or, you know, constantly circle back to an issue. I, like, I have, I have like, a group of friends in mind where we're always talking about these former friends of ours or whatever, you know, and, I, and at a certain point, I was just sort of like, what if we just don't talk about them anymore? Like, it's just, it's done, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, like, there's this certain, like picking at the scab almost that can happen when you like get a bunch of people together. Um, That being said, on the other hand, like, you know, as we see our adult characters come together um, in the latter half of, of this season at a cult or intentional community, if you prefer. um, (laughs) Yes. There is something to be said for people who have the only other people in the world who have experienced something that you've experienced. I mean, very specifically, if you, if you were on a soccer team that crashed in the woods and, you know, Canada in the nineties, like not many other people will know exactly, you know, and there was like, oops, we ate some of us. Like, you know, it's (laughs) a very very specific trauma that it's nice to have people around you who have gone through exactly what you've gone through. But then what I like that layered into all of that all the like potentially supernatural stuff you have on the show, you have this very real world, these very real world issues also, or traumas or concerns, like what happens with Shauna and her baby in this season, uh, again, a trauma shared by everyone in that cabin is something that happens to women. I don't, I don't want to say all the time, but like it happens you know, to with women some, all, with some frequency, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You don't have to like be on a supernatural show for that to happen. Or in the modern day storyline, there's a character who we find out has cancer. And again, like it doesn't have to be supernatural or over the top for it to be something that is extremely painful and something that lingers with you. And that is like, it's something that I love in genre shows when you use a supernatural premise uh, again, if you believe Yellow Jackets is supernatural, when you use a supernatural premise to explore very real issues and trauma that happen to people. The example I always bring up is Buffy Vampire Slayer, but like there's plenty of other examples of that. And so is it better when they're all together? I mean, I'll just say this, like when the show starts, they're not all together, right? They're scattered to the wind. They don't talk to each other. But like there's something wrong 
<laughs> for all of them at the heart. True. You know, they was just sort of like slightly glossed over, barely contained beneath the surface. And then for some of them, like Nat, who was in rehab, or Misty, who was like, I don't know, potentially Jack working her patients. We, we're not quite sure. <laughs> That's less like, now that she's preoccupied. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like they needed to pro they hadn't fully processed everything. What do you think? I mean, I I do think that there's Right. There's a saying, right, that you can't heal where you hurt. And I feel like that goes back to your point, though, of like, did they they did hurt each other, especially as, as they were teens. Like, I think the the first thing I, I think of when I say that is uh, Lottie and Shauna's fight, one sided fight um, where Shauna brutally attacked uh, Lottie. But are they hurting like are they intentionally hurting each other especially as adults like I think there's a point to like you said where healing there's probably more healing happening when they are together versus when they are apart because they have to face those demons maybe literally um yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then there are like dynamics that they fall back on like for example with a character like Misty who is you know played beautifully by Christina Ricci but who has always been like on the outside, you know, she's not part of the team. She's the equipment manager, like stuff like that. And uh, in in the adult dynamic, they're still using her as like a punching bag. And like, you know, Misty's not an angel. She's literally killed people. So like, I'm not saying that, <laughs> yes. but like, but the way that they're teasing her, like, especially like when they're all hanging out in Lottie's compound and drinking together or whatever is very, a very high school way to sort of punch down at someone about like their boyfriend or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I'm just sort of like, I don't think Misty should be hanging out. I don't <laughs> think Misty should be hanging out with these people. And I don't think she should be chasing them because they made it clear uh, what they think of her. And I think that's only going to like reignite her trauma rather than heal it yeah. in any kind of way. I just thought of that. of just like, I wonder if she is a little bit of a masochist for love where it's just like, I'll stay here even if it hurts. I think she's someone where any kind of attention is good attention. So um, it's not that like she needs love to hurt or that she even identifies that there's even love there. Even when she's like, Nat's my best friend or whatever. Like Missy's not stupid. I think if she really examines it, she knows there's not like love there, but there is a tension there. Yeah. Right. Or when she feels needed, like when they have to, you know, oh, you know, when you, you know, that classic example of like when oops, you've killed your lover and you need someone to like help you chop up the body and bury it. <laughs> yeah. That, not a big you deal. Call yeah. someone, call someone that you're not like that close to, but they have a particular set of skills. And so you call them in and then they feel needed, you know, and it's a bonding experience. So, yeah. Do you think they know that? Do you think they feed into Misty's need for attention? Um, when they need her, I think they do. Yeah. And when they don't, they just as rather not talk to her. Yeah. And it makes me sad. I know. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, when we talk about friendships, one friendship that didn't flourish till this season was Misty and Crystal or actually Kristen. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, where it felt very genuine. It was short lived. But it felt very genuine. They kind of fed off one another. It was very vulnerable and sweet until, you know, Misty reveals why no one has yet to save them um, and her doing in that. And then it, it was just a very, I don't know, what do you think of that friendship? I thought it was so sweet and unfortunate ending. Uh, you know, we were worried as soon as Crystal slash Kristen showed up that she would be 
next on the menu. Mm. Um, I, you know, there definitely was a genuine connection there. There was, and and you saw in Misty this, I mean, it's paralleled with her meeting this character played by Elijah Wood Walter. Um, and the way in which both Crystal and Walter see her for who she is and like her, which is not an experience that she's had, right? They don't find her annoying. They like musicals. They like, you know, are interested in all this weird stuff. And then for Crystal slash Kristen, there was a limit, right? Yeah. Which is, <laughs> you've endangered all of yeah. us, right? Yes. Um, and so that makes Misty believe that there would be a limit with Walter, even though Walter's like, hey, I think you might be a serial killer. And, and I I'm pretty it. into it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so she's she's afraid because of this childhood experience she had of like, you know, when you get in a fight with a friend like you do, and then they, oops, they fall off a cliff to their death. Um <laughs> After you've screamed, I'll kill you. Yeah. Like it's um tale as old as time, obviously. But um, so that's you know, it's put her on her guard with Walter. But I think one of the most interesting themes of the show that we see it explore again and again across multiple characters is this idea of like someone who sees all of you, mm-hmm. the darkest mm-hmm. parts of you, and wants you anyway. There's the, that often manifests in these like romantic dynamics between like Jeff and Shauna. Or, you know, Van and Ty, et cetera, et cetera. Like, do you see the darkness in me and do you like me anyway? Or do you do you like all of me or do you only like part of me? But I think that can go for friendships as well. You know what I mean? Like one of the most, I have, you know, like I, I when I think about my closest friend in the world, that is someone who I can, it's just relaxing being with someone like that who knows you so well, who you don't have to like mind your words or worry about the impression you're giving off or whatever. And maybe there are some people who go through world this world and are like that with everyone. Yeah. That is not me. <laughs> I am like yeah. a somewhat anxious yes. person. And so I'm constantly worrying about like how I'm being perceived. And then I've got like my closest friend in the world where I'm just not, we're in like a safe, safe space. And that is, you know, I accept all of her. She accepts all of me. Anything I've ever told her, she has embraced. Then again, I've never smashed the black box of our flight You're in the middle of the wilderness. You're not a serial killer or a sociopath. Yes. That you know of. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> As of now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that goes, we talked about this also in like an earlier episode of like the vulnerability. Like there is, of course, with vulnerability, the risk of being hurt. And I think that Opening yourself up to show you're ugly is frightening because this person may not, not only accept you, they may leave. And I think that is like a frightening thing. But I do, I guess I didn't really look at it as like, that is an underlying theme across all friendships because they all have an ugly side. Um, And I guess that goes back to, is it healing or hurtful that they're together Maybe it's like the only people they could be truly vulnerable with of their ugly is with one another. I think for something for someone like Ty, where those parts are like literally bifurcated within her, right? There's this like shadow self. And then so she's in again, this is romantic, but you know, romantic and friendships on the show, the line is like somewhat blurred. So when you think about Van and Ty and you think about the way in which we don't know exactly why they broke up. But we do know that Ty then later in her life marries this woman, Simone, who knows nothing about this shadow self, right? And then like spent however many years with her, had a kid with her. And then once Simone gets a taste of the shadow self, which is when we get, a you know, the beheaded 
head of a family dog on a, you know, altar. Yes. She's like, there's, you're sick. There's something wrong with you. You're sick. All this sort of stuff. Whereas Van, both in the past and I would say in the present, like Van has her resentments towards Ty in the present, but like, it's not really tied to the shadow self. She's like, I know this about you. And I love you anyway, and I accept you. You know, so like that co- that extreme contrast between Simone being like, "Get help, Ty, you're sick," and Van being like, "Are you sick? I think you're fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, think this, I think we all have dark stuff, and this is okay. And what if this is this is a good thing, actually? Like, you know, so I think something that uh, comes up with Ty and Lottie as adults is what happens if you actually lean into the ugly. I mean. Because what it is, is it's not another person. It's another part of Lottie, right? Uh, It's like her talking to herself because Mm. of her own mental illness. And like, I don't know. I believe in in mental health. I believe in therapy. I believe in uh, psychiatric drugs, like all this sort of thing. Like I believe in all of that. And so when... When I hear, you know, like I, I, I am, I am on psychiatric medication. I am a huge proponent of it for, for my like aforementioned anxiety, et cetera. When I hear people say like, oh, I'm just going to go off my meds and it'll be fine. And I'm like, it will, will, will it? it? Yeah. Will it? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's a thing that's, impl- I'm not saying like, don't explore all your darkest nooks and crannies, but like, if you've got behavior that is debilitating to your day-to-day functions and you've got a solution for that, I don't think it's embracing your darkness to go off your anxiety meds or in, you know, in, in Lottie's case, like, you know, a more serious uh, mental illness. So that also makes me think of Lottie's, I guess, I don't know if they're friendships because she's a little bit of a leader when they're teens, but I guess a friendship with the Lottie believers, because there are those that don't believe in Lottie's powers, I guess we could call them, or belief in whatever spirituality is happening in the wilderness. Um, And then there's some that aren't. I know that Ty and Shauna, especially Shauna, are very against Lottie's uh, leadership here. How do you feel about the friendship or following that Lottie has when she's a teen? Lottie strikes me as very um, lonely in this role. Because it doesn't feel like any of the girls who are fault, like not even Van, who I really like, but then there's other followers like Mari, who I do not care for. Um, like the, so I will say like the, I wouldn't call Van a sycophant. I'm just going to leave Van out of it. And I would say like the sycophants, like Mari and like some of the others, or then there's someone like Misty, who's just a joiner and will just sort of like glom onto whatever power source she sees and just sort of like huddle under their shadow none of them know Lottie or, you know, like the connection that Lottie had to, like the only connection Lottie had really had to anyone was to Laura Lee and Laura Lee died in a fiery plane crash. But like the, like they seem like actual friends versus like followers, you know? And so, and I don't think that like Lottie necessarily asked for people to follow her in that way. I think she wants to give like, comfort and guidance, but I don't think she's asking to be like wilderness Jesus or anything like that, the way that they're treating her. And I almost think that someone like Shauna or Nat, who are opposed to this like spirituality of Lottie, I feel like they almost know her better than these followers do. And they like, you know, they've been on the team with her, et cetera. But like, there is some weird sort of connection between Shauna and Lottie, despite their conflicting beliefs. And despite the fact that Shauna 
uh, beat the life out of Lottie. Yeah, you know what I mean? I think there's, yeah. there's something, I don't think you can do that to someone you don't actually care a tremendous deal about. You know what I mean? At the same time. For sure. Uh, I hope not. I I mean, she becomes this leader because she's implementing rituals in order to put like order to the chaos. The latter being extremely important. And something I thought of was this like act of communion or also like cannibalism, which is uh, clearly like the big thing in this season. It seems like it brings them together, but I don't know if it's just survival versus actually bringing them together. It leaves Shauna out, but I don't know if it brings yeah. the other women together. Well, I mean, it's interesting because uh, one of my favorite conversations, speaking of friendships or connections, um, this season was between the character of Akila, who was sort of like background last season and a little bit more centered this season, and Ty, who were not friends before the crash. They didn't oh, really know each yeah, other. Know. Mm-hmm. But their conversations about... Akila is reminiscing about like a teammate of hers. I think her name is Rachel who like they had these like ritualistic traditions before the game and like what they did, it was like superstition. It was ritual, but it was just something that they like, it didn't, they didn't do it because they actually believed in it. It was just something about the act of the ritual that felt important to them. And, you know, similar sort of, I think I'll just go to this Lottie circle thing, not because I actually believe in it, but just because it feels nice to be part of a, something with our community and so for like your Aquilas or your Ty, like Ty occasionally is busting out this spirituality like when they're lost in the snowstorm or when Shauna was in dire like dire straits like t- that's when Ty will like start chanting but otherwise she doesn't the only reason she's really there is for Van, Van yeah. right mm-hmm. and so and Aquila's like well I'm really only going because you're going and so that is you know that is when you think about something like spirituality or church a church community, a lot of people are part of that community, not even necessarily because of their, like what they get out of their belief in God, but what they get out of their connection to other people and the community that they feel in in those organizations. And so when you're talking about something like Lottie essentially founding (laughs) a new religion in the wilderness, there's plenty of people who are there just for that, you know, use the word communal, like that communal uh, sense. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, 
you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Do you think even through this, Lottie has a true friend? Not currently. I think I think what the way she's connecting with these uh, women, especially Nat, I would say, in the present day storyline, is like kind of the first time I think that she's feeling really seen by someone who really knows her. Yeah. Since Laura Lee, I would say. She's definitely letting Nat in. And I, yeah, I mean, it's clearly because of wanting to heal. I was actually really surprised how Nat actually leaned into whatever I know. Suggestions, rituals that like Lottie was setting in place or actually the entire, not even Lottie, maybe it was uh, Lisa, this other like young woman. Do you consider them friends, Nat and Lisa? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, You know, it's almost more like mother daughter than like straightforward friendship or like mentor mentee. I think Nat sees herself, her younger self in Lisa and I think she's wanting to protect her, mother her in a way that she didn't feel mothered. Like that sort of, you know, like mother your inner self by mothering someone who reminds you of younger you, stuff like that. But I think, you know, there can be real friendships between generations. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it might have a more like mentor mentee kind of feeling to it, but that doesn't make it not a friendship. And yeah, and I think her seeing a version of herself who was helped by what Lottie is doing here makes her wonder, oh, is there help for me too here? You know, perhaps. I think also, I mean, I was a little surprised by how quickly she sort of dove in to the cold situation. But I think what we have to remember, what they try to remind us is like, however vulnerable she's been in her life, her post-wilderness life, which she has, obviously she's been you know, like drowning her sorrows and drinking and and abusing drugs and stuff like that. Travis's death has just put her in a vulnerable position. And when you are in um, a vulnerable position, like being scared in the wilderness or (laughs) absolutely devastated that your person, Travis, is dead, you are vulnerable to coercion. You are vulnerable to, you know, that's when you're most, most, open to being like sucked into a cult. And so I don't think Lottie is like maliciously preying on Nat. I just think Nat is in a space now that she was not in back in the wilderness, at least not that we've seen so far, to seek that comfort, to seek that order in the chaos, the chaos of her own emotions. Yeah. I mean, it felt like Lottie brought her in and then was like, all right, I'm out. I got to deal with my own shit. You mentioned Walter, who's your fave. I love Walter. <laughs> Tell me why you love Walter, especially in connection with Misty. Again, I just think there's like, again, uh, it's, this show is asking us to feel empathy for characters like Misty or Shauna who have like literally killed people in front of us, you know, like. Yeah. And, li- and like it? 
and like killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I think between the writing and the performance, we're being asked mm. to feel empathy, similar to um, like when you watch Succession and like the Roys are terrible, but they're written so well and they're performed so well that like you get emotionally invested in them anyway. So I'm, uh, this is not a moral judgment. I'm not saying Misty is a good person, oh, but yeah, yeah. she is a person that I care about. <laughs> um, maybe against my better judgment. And so it, it, I get so sad for her the way that she is so unseen, unloved, unappreciated, ostracized. And some of that has to do with like active, terrible choices that she's made. Like, you know, yeah, for mentioning killing. And some of it has to just do with like her own personality. Like she's a, she's an anxious too much person. <laughs> she's she's oh, awful. I can relate you know? to that. Okay, All not right. the awful part, but maybe awful. No. But I can relate to that. Yeah, the anxious and too much person and also just wanting to be seen for that. Like her dealings with Coach Ben last season mm-hmm. is just sort of like my, good, like mm. I'm also an anxious, like whatever person as, as we already mentioned, but like, there are things that Misty does for attention that I would never <laughs> No, yes. Right. Yes. So that's where the awful is, right? So like I would, so like the thing about Misty is as a person, I don't think I would want to have lunch with her, but as a fictional character, I care very much about her well-being. And so when Walter comes in and is like, I see you for y'all, your complete weirdness that everyone rolls their eyes at or, or ostracizes you for, and it completely matches my weirdness and wouldn't it be great if we could just be our completely weird selves together and wouldn't that be a lovely thing and I also like I personally am a huge fan of musicals so like the whole like (laughs) musical element really speaks to me um that very close bond you can feel with someone who also really likes this thing that like is broadly not necessarily embraced or is broadly considered too much and you're like here in the privacy of our car we can sing every single word to the newsy soundtrack and like no one's gonna roll their eyes at us because it's just us and we get it you know what I mean so I find that very like tender especially when they when they showed us their like side by side getting ready for bed routine and the (laughs) B&B they were staying in yeah and it was just sort of like these kids are made for each yeah. other, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're making me like Misty. I mean, I do like Misty. I do. There, again, I guess there is something. That's how these characters are written, that you can feel for them. The most probably fucked up friendship, to me, uh-huh. is Jackie and Shauna. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you think I was going to say that or did you, did you have another one in mind? No, my, my mind was racing. I'm like, who's she going to say? Am I, am I going to agree? And then I was like, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's just, it's fucked up. It's so intense. And you know, when I think of, there's this, they have a love-hate friendship. Maybe there's more hate from Shauna's side than Jackie's side, especially their former years together because Jackie was in the dark of how Shauna was or felt. Have you ever witnessed this type of a friendship where it's so intense? They're almost seriously frenemies. I've had these friendships. How old were you? Are they, do you think they're, (laughs) do you think that they're, my thing is like, is it more of like a teen thing? I think it is a teen thing. Like uh, the main candidate that comes to mind is someone I met when I was like in my very early 20s but 
it does feel like a teen thing, like an immature thing for sure. And I'm not, I think I was immature when I was in my early twenties. So I think that's part of it. But like when, um, the showrunners talk about Jackie and Shauna and they talk about this idea of like loving someone, but resenting them, but, but genuinely loving them so much that you almost want to devour them is sort of what they were thinking about when they thought about like Sean eating that ear, you know, (laughs) that, that the, not just the like Greek feast that they, everyone has when they're like, we got to do this or we're starving. I'm talking about the cold rubbery ear that was in her uh, pocket that she ate. And it's just sort of this idea of like, Again, this is not a healthy dynamic. And so I'm no longer friends with that person. But that idea of wanting to feel like so close to someone, you don't know where you end and they begin and like all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, it's a very, very unhealthy dynamic, especially with Jackie and Sean. And when you have like a sort of alpha beta situation of like Jackie being an alpha and Shauna being a beta and what destroyed their friendship is that power dynamic flip in the wilderness where all of a sudden Jackie's like soft social skills of the real world didn't help her in the wilderness and, and Sean is thriving in the wilderness. And so like, and Jackie can't handle being a, a beta and, and Shauna's like, I don't think I was ever really a beta to begin with, man. I've always been an alpha. And so, um, I don't think alpha beta relationships are ever healthy anywhere. And, uh, I think especially something like this, when you, when you factor in like conventional good looks and high school popularity and all that, all that stuff, what do you think? Is it just a a teenage kind of immature relationship? I definitely don't think it's immature. I feel like there's real, real feelings there of like jealousy, this like competitiveness, like real strong feelings that I think live in adult friendships also. But I think, like you said, there's elements in your teen life, like cliques and social life that kind of like amplifies that. I was reading this interview that Jonathan Lisko, the show, one of the showrunners uh, did with Variety about when they ate Jackie. Um, but he <laughs> said that the type, the way he described it, their friendship, was, quote, I literally want to consume this person because I love them so much, but I also want them no longer to exist in a way, unquote. Yeah. And I feel like that was like a, that's, I mean, he's a showrunner, but that's a perfect way to describe it where you love this person so much, you just want to be close to them, which you mentioned. But at the same time, I don't like you. So it's more so like, I love you, but I don't like you is what I'm feeling with this friendship, at least from Shauna's end. I don't like, I, I don't know if what you love. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, I don't know what your friendships are like, but something that I've discovered only like in the last couple of years by myself, like I don't really fight with anyone at all ever, except for like two friends. And, and those are the people I feel closest to. And mm. I was, I was trying to figure out my friendship with this one, with this one guy that I've known since fifth grade and uh we fight all the time we'll fight and we'll like go years without speaking and then we'll like come back together and i'm like is this is this just like a toxic bad friendship and should i just like not do this ever again because it's always like this and my other close friend said to me she was like no you guys are like family he's like your brother and you just you fight with family and ever since she said that it unlocked something where now i'm like we'll fight we I, a we don't fight as much and b when we fight i don't 
and I'm not like, well, is this it? Are we not friends anymore? I'm like, I'm like, no, now there's like a, just a, just a deeper foundation of like, oh, we're friends no matter what. Like we're friends forever. It's been so long that we've been friends. We're friends forever, whatever. So then like there's less tension in that fight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I, you know, it's interesting. I'm thinking of it when I think of me arguing or fighting with a friend, I think it's just wanting desperately to be seen by someone that I thought would already have without me asking them to. Yes. Yeah. But I think that that is when there's fighting is when there's, I love this. So, you know, I love this person. Get me because I love you so much. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. See me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's where that comes about. And I don't know. I mean, as far as like Jackie and Shauna, I don't know if there was a moment where they ever saw the other person as who they were. There is a threshold you can cross in the friendship where that doesn't happen as much or ever. And it's not because the person always says the right thing. It's because you just trust them to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like it would probably be healthier if I gave everyone in the world the benefit of the doubt. And I try to do that more often than not. But like, (laughs) you know, if you're a very sensitive person, quite often you're looking for like the worst interpretation of what someone has said. And you're like, oh, they meant this and they meant it to wound me and like whatever. Um, But if you cross the threshold with certain friends, you're like, oh, no, no. I mean, they probably didn't mean it that way. You know what I mean? That's probably not how they meant it, you know? Or you can even ask them, like, hey, what do you mean by that? Or whatever. Um, but that's that requires a level of trust. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that there has to be this level of trust with a friend for you to not think that they're thinking the worst of you or also, like, judging you. And I think that's also... I think something that I saw with Shauna in the beginning was her fear. I mean, clearly, she's cheating with her. Jackie's boyfriend. Um, but like this like fear of being judged for how she is and where now she finds a little bit of a thrill of like, no, you're going to see me for who I am. Well, and what I what I love about Jeff, the Jeff and Shauna relationship is that, you know, he'll say like, listen, man, yeah, you did some fucked up shit in the wilderness that I've actually been aware. I read your journals years ago. <laughs> I've been well aware of the deeply fucked up things you did. And she's like, oh, and you love me anyway? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, also, Shauna, short memory, we did fucked up things before <laughs> you went to the wilderness. Yeah. This has always been part of our relationship. Mm, I just, yeah, I did not know that I was getting what I got in season two from that relationship by only watching season one. Yeah. It like really showed who they, that they reflected each other very well, for sure. I see the dark in you, you see the dark in me, <laughs> and I like it. That, that There's that phrase, again, this is more usually for romantic relationships, but I think it applies to friendships, like um, a lid for every pot, you know what I mean? Like there's someone, hopefully, someone out there <laughs> who understands all the parts who will understand all the parts of you and they will align with all the parts of them. Even if not, you're not, you don't have to, that doesn't mean you have to be like exactly interested in the exact same things, but that there is just something like inherent about you that, that, that calls and like has a call and response with another person. I don't believe in like soulmates necessarily, but I just do believe that there are like, I think there are plenty of people who go through life thinking like I'm all alone and nobody likes me or nobody connects with me or no one will ever understand me. And I have to pretend to be this other person in order for anyone to love me. And I think just the greatest freedom you can find is finding someone who loves you without any of that pretense. Yeah. Without that fear 
of being yourself. Yeah. I think I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm just going to nonchalantly tell you my ugly and, you know, and forget that I'm actually, (laughs) I think I'm at that point. I think I, you know, again, like I've been the too much where I say too much, feel too much, then get scared that it is too much. And now I'm just like, I will give you too much all the time. The way Steven says is be three much. Uh, in order to just <laughs> just go there, um, but yeah, so sweet. I do three think much. That, I do think that there's something special about that. How are you feeling about season three? I I'm something that I'm very curious about, and I think this will be an interesting spot to examine some of the ties that bind those friendships together. Is what we haven't seen is the timeline that is post wilderness when they return, but they're still young in their teens you know what i mean and so like and and freshly traumatized and not that far removed from the wilderness where they felt all this power and control as young women interesting you know what i mean like this is something the showrunners have talked about a lot is like yeah there was awful shit that happened in the wilderness but at the same time they got to touch a kind of power and control and authority that they as young women in America were not experiencing for themselves at that time. And so then how do you go back to civilization yeah. and give up all that power and control? And so speaking of someone like there was a, there is, there was a time, came a time in their lives when they decided to scatter to the winds and not never talk to each other. Right. We know that that happened, but before that, like Van and Ty went to Shauna's wedding. Like, so what was that? What was that post wilderness? We're still young women, uh, friendship time. Like that, I, that I'm really, you know, I, I think they're planning to do five seasons of the show and they have to get there eventually. And I'm really curious, uh, what that looks like. Yeah. And that same vein, I think that makes me more interested of Shauna's storyline because from what you see of Shauna in the very beginning of season one, extremely, different than who you see in season two as her as a teen. So I'm wondering where that shift or the hiding of herself started. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for being vulnerable. Uh, But thank you for talking to me today. Where can we find your work um, at The Ringer? First of all, you make it very easy to talk. Um, Thank you. But you can find me over on the Prestige TV podcast feed talking about Yellow Jackets every week with Mallory Rubin and also uh, talking about Succession. That's wrapping up as well. Um, you can find me over the Ringer Verse feed, also talking to Mallory Rubin about uh, various geeky nerd stuff. Yes. And then with two of my oldest, dearest friends, Dave Gonzalez and Neil Miller, we have a podcast called Trial by Content, where every week we sort of debate a pop culture topic. That, that show that like, I've done a couple podcasts with those guys, and that show more than any other show is just sort of like, hey, you want to listen to some friends hang out? <laughs> like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what perfect. that is, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah. Thank you again for joining, and thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts about Yellow Jackets, email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.